Hello, hello. Welcome to Yoga Wellness Money. This is Amanda Mortensen, and today we're talking about fired and why that's good news for you. The first step in getting fired, well, there is no first step in getting fired. You just got fired or you just got laid off. Listen, we've all been there. There's no shame in it. It's embarrassing. Uh, You don't like to talk about it, but it happens. And everybody's been there. And if they haven't been there, then they're in some boring job that they've been in for 40 years that they hate anyway. So I think it's good news because whenever there is a rug that's been pulled out from under you, it's something you absolutely were not expecting, or maybe you were expecting it. Either way, sometimes it's just an impotence, an impetus for a change that you needed to make anyway, and you just waited until somebody else did it for you. The first thing I want you to do after you've been fired or laid off is to do a post-action assessment. Now, I believe that the way to control stress is to take responsibility. So as we take more responsibility, we're more in control, and we're not so much a victim of our circumstances. So the first thing I want you to do is just really, really assess yourself, like what you did to contribute to that situation. What could you have done better? How could you have done your job better? What did you learn while you were at that job? What are your takeaways from that position? How, what, when, where could you have done things slightly differently? I mean, sometimes it just boils down to being politically aware. I mean, I've had jobs where I had a job when I was first out of law school, and I loved this job. It was with a semiconductor company. I was the first in-house counsel. The outside attorney had gotten me the job, and I just loved it. I traveled internationally. We did mergers and acquisitions, technology, joint venture agreements with the university for development. I mean, we had it all. And we were like one of the fourth fastest growing on the NASDAQ. So it was a pretty sweet gig. Well, lo and behold, the outside attorney that got me the job had his second baby, and he decided that he wanted to take a pay cut and come in-house. And the CFO waited until we flew back east to Chicago, did a settlement, um, a mediation, an informal mediation, and only the inside counsel were allowed at the mediation. So it was me, the CEO, the CFO, and then the other parties that were suing us for trademark infringement. Anyway, he waited until we were done with that, and then the following day or the following Monday, he comes into my office and he says, you know, Jeff has decided now that he had his second baby that he wants to come in-house, but we can't afford both of you. It was 2001. You know, we were facing the technology downturn, and he said, we can't afford you both. So he'll be starting in two weeks, and we'd love it if you'd stay in transition, and you can have whatever you want, which is code for, please don't sue us. 
And I said, you know, it's interesting. I think if I were having my second baby, no one would be offering me a job. And he's like, well, I, you know, what? like I said, you can have whatever you want, anything you want. So I thought about it and I thought, well, I've already earned my 30% bonus, so I'll be taking my 30% bonus. And I also want six months severance. And then, of course, I was also entitled to unemployment. And they did. They paid all of it. I even called an employment attorney, and they said that that was a pretty good deal I had cut for myself. And so I got my first taste of politics. And the one thing that I didn't realize is I had been taking work from that law firm and keeping it in-house. Because at the end of the day, and what this gentleman didn't know, this outside attorney, is the prior CFO that had hired me and the new CFO had said, you probably want to shop, start shopping for another law firm. They're very unresponsive. But I'm never quick to be the person that takes away someone's livelihood or their employment. So I kept with them. And then sure enough, I'd send out you know, a one-page agreement. It would take two months to get it back. And I'm working in the tech world. I mean, people expect things back in like 24, 48 hours, tops. And so I wasn't able to send as much out. They were still doing all of our um, securities filings, and they were still doing all of our acquisitions and our mergers. But I could not give them the day-to-day work because they were just too slow. And when he took me to lunch, I even explained this to him. And I said, you know, I'm swamped. I'm over... I'm overloaded with work, but I can't wait two months to get a simple, you know, contract of adhesion back. So little did I know behind my back, they started like taking him around and, you know, he's working the CFO saying how he wants to come in now. And they're saying, oh, we're just bringing him in to give her more help. Well, they brought him in, but it was not to give me help. So, you know... I I had to look at things, and I did have some regrets. I thought, well, he did get me into the position. I was too young to be aware that I scratch your back, you scratch my back. And, you know, maybe it could have been avoided, maybe not. And I was really disappointed. And, you know, but I did buy myself some time, and I had lots of severance and unemployment and... Although it was now a different economy within technology, I was still, you know, very marketable. But at that point, I got some advice from someone very wealthy that said my job security was in myself. And so I actually took that opportunity to kind of start taking on some small clients and saying, hey, remember when you asked if I could do this for you or that for you? and I didn't have time, well, I have time now, and I'd be happy to help you with some agreements. And so while I was looking for my next opportunity, I took on clients, and I billed an hourly rate, and I, you know, got through that particular time period. So after you've done your post-action assessment of yourself, do a 360, well, In addition to that post-action assessment, I want you to take a really 360 evaluation of yourself. So I want you to really just between you and yourself, and this can be a very private thing, I want you to really think about, you know, do you have enough education? 
you know, have you been keeping your skills up to date and continually learning? Um, how is your work ethic? Um, how's the quality of your work? How's your appearance? You know, I'm surprised. Sometimes I'll start at a new company and I'll meet someone that's been there 12, 13 years, and they look like they rolled out of bed and came to work. And they're in positions where they're serving executives or even sometimes seeing outside people. And they're in, you know, pants that are frumpy and oversized and don't even fit them. And, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, I lost weight. Well, if you lost weight, let's like, you know, buy a couple new things, you know, treat yourself. So appearance matters. I mean, you can think because you've been there a long time or it's all about your work, but trust me, appearance matters. Like every employer wants to feel like they could take any of their employees and show them to an outside customer or a potential new hire and say, hey, this is our team. And, you know, they love it when everybody looks sharp and well-groomed and put together. And it doesn't cost a lot of money to take care of your grooming and make sure your nails, your hair, your makeup, your outfit is put together. You know, it just takes a little bit of thought. And also do a, do an analysis of your attitude. Were you hating your job? Were you complaining a lot to your coworkers? I guarantee you can think you have the best of friends in certain departments or somebody is your closest BFF. But I'm telling you, and these are things that I wish someone had told me, nobody is loyal in the workplace. There There are exceptions, but I'm telling you, people are about getting ahead sometimes. And the person you would least suspect is actually running to the boss, whispering in his or her ear, and telling him, well, you know, so-and-so doesn't like the fact that she blah, 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 and is making you look bad. So really, really, really watch what you say. It's better not to complain at work and not to complain at anybody with anybody at work. Save that for somebody completely outside of your industry and hopefully just in the privacy of your own home. Not that I recommend taking your work gripes home because that'll affect your home life, but just try not to criticize, condemn, or complain in the workplace. It will always come back to bite you. So after you've done all of that, the 360 evaluation of yourself, your ethics, your quality of your work, are you keeping up to date? Are you increasing your knowledge in your industry, or even just reading good books on how to be better or more motivated or more productive and things to keep you motivated. You know, are you being honest with the time you're putting in? Um, Are you showing up on time? Are you, you know, being respectful of the amount of time you're taking for your lunch? Things like that. Because, you know, these things don't go unnoticed. People know who's working hard and people know who are just trying to slide by. So make sure you're in that category. And if you are the hard worker, if you're the competent hard worker, always putting it in, make sure something else isn't, you know, hindering you like a lack of political awareness or a lack of personal hygiene and grooming. I know that sounds really dumb, like, well, duh, but 
I'm sure off the top of your head, you can think of one or two people that violate this rule on a daily basis. Now, the second part is your post-action assessment of your employer. So it's not just about you. You know, you didn't just go in there and screw up your job and get fired or laid off. You know, part of this was your employer. So you need to look at the job. Did you like the company? Did you like your boss? Did you like the colleagues that you worked with? Did you like the ethics of the company? Did they act in alignment with their core values? Did they even have core values? Did you like the way they treated the employees and their customers? And then I want you to analyze what you see differently in your next position. And I want you to visualize your next position, your desk, the types of people you work with, what you look like, how you're interacting with them, the type of company, where it's located. This is really your chance to have a clean slate and be like, do I want to do what I was doing? And what tweaks would I make if I could draw my ideal position? The number three, the third thing I want you to do to make this a good positive experience this time you now have off is jump on the website. Okay, it's not that exciting, but jump on the website and apply for unemployment. Even if you were fired, even if they said, it's because you're the worst and you suck, I want you to get on and apply for unemployment. And I want you to be honest. You know, I was terminated. They told me Friday, you know, that X. I mean, they give you a little spot, and I'm speaking in terms of California, however it is in your state. Because I'll tell you, typically, if you're fired for a good reason, you can't get unemployment. But the employer has a high bar of finding a good reason. And they have to have given you notice. They have to have given you a chance to cure. And so if they haven't met a lot of these things, unemployment tends to err on the side of the employee. And so that's just something to know. It can't hurt by applying. And so if for whatever reason you feel like you won't qualify, the worst thing they can do is tell you no. And another secret is if you want to appeal, and this is specifically for California, I can't say this is the same for every state, but if you want to appeal, that's something you can do without an attorney and you can show up and you can give your side of the story. And often you can get a rejection of unemployment turned over just by making a good case for yourself or better yet, the employer doesn't even bother to show up and you end up getting your case by default. Number four, go to your local library and check out the book, What Color Is Your Parachute? There is a revised edition put out every year. So there's one for 2018, there will be a new one for 2019. And I want you to go through that book and really do the exercises because this ends up being a real in-depth assessment of your skills, your talents, your traits, your desires, what you like, what you don't like, what types of jobs you should be looking into, how to transition 
from one career to another and what are difficult transitions and what are easier transitions. It's excellent. I can't recommend it more. And at the end, you'll end up with a flower. And this flower will be your guiding light through this entire process of looking for your next opportunity. Number five, you can feel sorry for yourself for a couple days. Give yourself permission to lie in bed for two days. I don't know. Put a time limit on it though. Don't say two weeks, don't say a month, but give yourself a couple days just to lie in bed and feel sorry for yourself. I think everyone deserves to grieve and mourn a loss. And definitely having a job taken from you is a loss. And you're going to feel that and it's going to invoke feelings of fear and panic and, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. Or it might instill some feelings of relief, but either way, you're going to be a little bit drained. And so go ahead and lay in bed for a couple days. But after your couple days, I want you to bam, get up every morning, make sure you exercise and take a shower. It doesn't have to be the first thing you do in the day, but it has to happen every day. And I do recommend the earlier you can get yourself showered and ready to go for the day, the better. But even before the exercise and shower, I really encourage that you start implementing an early, early morning ritual. And by that, I mean that extra sacred hour that so many high achievers talk about where they get up and they meditate or write in their journal or read or pray, or do something that really nurtures you, that really helps get you in the right frame of mind for this period. Because you're going to need that extra like emotional uh, centeredness and that peace and that um, sort of checking in with yourself and kind of drawing on some reserves to help boo you up while you're getting through this difficult period. But again, we're not going to look at it as, at, as a difficult period. We're going to look at it as why it's good news for you. And I'm telling you, it is good news for you because again, fresh slate, you have a little bit of time and you're going to figure something out. So maybe one of the things you start to consider is a job change and getting into a an industry or a field you've really been interested in, or you've wanted to start your own business. And so you, you want to get a job in an area that would help you eventually start your own business. You know, consider that, you know, do your budget, figure out your finances, cut out all your extraneous expenses and really go lean and figure out if you could afford to take a pay cut and do something different that could be a stepping stone in a different direction that you would be happier with in the long run. Another recommendation I have is to take a retail job or a candy store job, something to just get you out of the house for four hours a day and just keep you engaged in your community, in getting dressed up, in showing up to work, you know, work at Nordstrom, work at The Gap, you know, work at your local 
candy store. I mean, I I know my girls always love to go to a cute little place here in Boise called Goodies. And so whatever it is, I think it's great. And you really want to keep that sense of self-sufficiency. So anything you can do to make yourself continue to feel, you know, a value and of worth and the ability to earn your own way, you know, none of those jobs are going to be enough to support you and sustain you, but they will help with your self-esteem, which in turn will help you, you know, keep that energy and that higher vibration about you that helps you attract opportunities and an employer. Also start talking to your friends and start reconnecting with friends that you haven't gotten a chance to catch up with lately and really reach out and let people know that you're searching for something and be really clear about what that is, what that looks like, because people want to help you. What if you say, oh, I'm looking for a job. Well, that doesn't help anybody. You know, what do you do? What kind of job do you want? You know, you know, give people an idea of the types of things that you'd be interested in. Last but not least is don't throw in the towel. Sometimes people, when they get hit, they say, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not working anymore. I'm just, I'm going to start this business that they really haven't put much thought into and don't really know how it's going to generate income to support them. Remember, at the end of the day, our goal is to be self-sufficient. We want to be making our money. We want to be saving for the future. We want to be able to pay for our costs and expenses and have some leftover to have fun and to bless our life, the life of our families and the life of other people. So be frustrated for a minute, but overall, look at this as an opportunity, a fresh slate, a chance to really figure out what you want to do and how you're going to go about it and how you're going to reinvent yourself. So I leave this challenge with you. I've just been through it recently. Having relocated to Boise, we're going to be here for at least five to seven years. And I thought, if I'm going to be here this long, uh, you know, I need to find something that will keep me engaged. And I was, I'll be honest, I've been a little burned out with the law. Clearly, one of my passions is teaching women about personal finance, but by trade and what my real income comes from is practicing corporate law, but I was bored out of my mind from it, and I had clients here from California, even though I'm here in Idaho, and you know I would get an agreement, or I'd have to draft an agreement, and I thought, ugh, again... Like, I just want to poke my eye out, not because it's hard, but just because I've done it so many times I could do it in my sleep, and I just don't feel challenged or invigorated. So I kind of went through this whole exercise. I did, what color is your parachute? I prayed a lot. I thought a lot. I, I pondered on it a lot. I just, and one thing that kept coming back to me was, When I first graduated from law school, I had considered doing criminal law. I was really good at trial advocacy. I was great in front of a jury. We'd have mock juries from undergrad that would come over and render judgments and then tell us how we did and talk to us. And I really excelled in that area. And my professors 
one was a judge and one had been an attorney, uh, an attorney general here in Idaho had told me like, this is your thing. You need to be a criminal prosecutor or a criminal defense attorney. But I, as luck or fate or (laughs) just sheer chance would have it, I did get a criminal position, but I also got a corporate position and the corporate position paid four or five times more for the summer internship. So I took that path. And sometimes those early choices we make really end up paving our road. A lot of you can look at where you are now and you think, man, I'm here today because of that one job I took, you know, nine years ago. And now I'm still sort of in that field that I really never cared about. So I asked a friend that's in law school, I said, do you know anybody in the DA's office? And she said, actually, I do. Why don't I set up a lunch? So I went to lunch, and it turns out this gentleman had been a prior corporate attorney who had made the jump. He was hoping to be a judge someday, and the prosecutor's office seemed like a a good path to get there. And so he took the leap, took a huge pay cut, and I exaggerate not when I say a huge pay cut, and went in into the prosecutor's office. Well, long story short, he told the interviewer that I had applied with, yeah, you should go ahead and, and interview her for sure. And two months later, and background checks and panel interviews and a lot of hoops to jump through, I was offered a position. So I make a lot less money, but I can tell you, I am really happy. I'm super stoked. No day is the same. I'm on my feet. I'm in my office. I'm meeting with this person. I'm going to court. I'm in front of judges. I'm prepping for little mini trials, all the things that they start you out at. I'm at the bottom. And some of my colleagues are 15, 16 years my junior. And I don't even care because I've already been down a different road and exhausted all that I had to give there. And now I'm excited for this new challenge. So it's never too late. So be brave, reinvent yourself, decide what you really want to do. Our life is short, at least if you're going to be at work for eight, nine hours a day, be doing something that you can feel good about. So congratulations, you got fired. Congratulations, you got laid off. And dive in. Make this your chance to reinvent. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Amanda Mortensen, Yoga Wellness Money. Namaste.